Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Rugby World Cup today. My name is Daniel McCarty, alongside Logan Swinkles, covering the Rugby World Cup on behalf of the SENZ family. We're coming to you live from Lyon, the uh, home city of the All Blacks for the vast majority of this tour. This is where their training base is hosted. And we've got a very pleasant morning, mainly because I'm not roasting and sweating profusely at 8am local time. Yeah, overcast today. It's going to still get up towards 33 degrees, but there are some uh, what thunderstorms in the forecast. This is a rarity. It's been picture perfect as far as uh, overhead conditions. Bright blue throughout the duration of this tournament. In fact, too hot. Too hot for World Rugby. Instituting some uh, drinks breaks during those opening games. Great to have your company. Our number, of course, is 0800-150-811. You can uh, text the show on uh, double eight, double three, if you so please. We'd love to get your contribution to the broadcast. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We'll head inside the All Blacks camp shortly. Jason Ryan, Geordie Barrett, and then we'll take a good long look at our neighbours from across the ditch. We'll catch up with uh, Tom Deeson from the Sydney Morning Herald, who has been all over the Wallabies, and if we've got time, we'll hear from Eddie Jones as well. The Wallabies finally tasting success after a long, long time. I think sometime in 2022. Remember that year? I hardly uh, do. Uh, they have finally won a test match, picking up a, a comprehensive win on the scoreboard against Georgia by 35 points to 15. Uh, another wonderful night in Leon and Aston. We said this place is magic. Monday night, you'd think it'd be pretty quiet, but you wandered the streets last night. The uh, the city known for its uh, gastronomy, absolutely chocker. Uh, the major haunts uh, and the assembled New Zealand media horde uh, couldn't get into a restaurant, so we had to split up. We had to split up those who wanted French cuisine and those who just wanted pizza. <laughs> clearly, I'm. More, I know who wanted pizza. Yeah, Ollie cle- Ritchie. Clearly, I'm far more cultured than <laughs> Ollie Ritchie and the rest. Wonderful evening, great company. Uh, it is a magic city. Uh, for those who are coming towards uh, France, maybe later in this uh, tournament, uh, you will not be disappointed. But right now, the focus is, of course, on the All Blacks, and I'm sure you want to know all the very latest news. Even caught up with uh, some of the news. Uh, Injuries is probably where we should and need to start. Well, Tyrell Lomax, uh, really uh, great strides he has made. He, after that horrendous cut against the Springboks in London, ahead of the Rugby World Cup, uh, needing more, more than 30 stitches, he's got through some running and, more importantly, got through some scrum loading. Now, that is a, a great bit of news for, for New Zealand. They absolutely need him back, in my humble opinion. And the propping depths... Uh, 
have been a little bit light, we could certainly argue. Geordie Barrett appears to be uh, progressing nightly, he, uh, nicely. He'll explain that to us uh, shortly. Shannon Frizzell is also progressing, and they hope to get a full week's training out of him next week. So it looks like he, it won't be Namibia, but uh, you might see him for game number three. That is against uh, Italy. And, of course, as far as the captain is concerned, Mr. Sam Kane, he too uh, making... Uh, Steady strides. Uh, he's also got through some running we- uh, running work uh, and will be reassessed as the week goes on. But you would think they're not going to take any risk with any of those players, with all due respect to Namibia. Uh, we'll continue to uh, follow uh, the All Blacks and bring you all the news you need to know about. Uh, Jason Ryan uh, fronted the uh, media uh, ahead of this game against Namibia, and he's got a big job over the next few weeks, you would uh, probably say. He reflected on how things went from a forwards perspective, a team performance also uh, against France, and Jason Ryan did suggest that it is very important they do get some good news on the injury front. You know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that we showed effort-wise in that first 40 Real strong, we were right in the contest, um, but the penalty count was, you know, that was five v three at half time, and then we got another seven, they got another one. So the discipline and just a couple of skill execution parts of our game sort of let us down and sort of took the contest away from us. But the positive side of it is we we know that I guess when we've got a full deck, um, we'll be able to compete. And we're right uh, confident about that. Yeah, me ever over-analyzing things uh, has me thinking, hmm, wonder if they have the same questions about the depth in the squad as many of us do. Quite a telling line, uh, that last sentence uh, for mine. Uh, Ryan also spoke about how the team is feeling um, after losing for the first time in a Rugby World Cup group game uh, during the opening uh, games of this tournament. Definitely disappointed to lose. In fact, um, you know we we're really gutted. You know it was a it was a test match that had been built up um, around the world. You know what what an opener, what an occasion. It was a privilege to be a part of. And you know we wanted to put in a, a better performance than we did. Um, it, it's a credit to France how they're supporting this World Cup. It's so good. It's you know full stadiums everywhere. It's tremendous. But I think um, the mood is really good. You know it's just, you know we, we know what's in front of us now. You got to win every game. <laughs> it uh, doesn't get much clearer than that, and you know you always got to get through your pool play and then uh, box on from there. But and then I think it's been said a couple of times it's probably going to be the closest World Cup there's been in a while. All the teams are really raising the bar. You know Fiji unlucky could have won it. What a game! Um, I thought Australia were pretty tremendous in a couple of key areas that they were working on against Georgia and England. What they looked really good and they they were composed and you know down a man. And I think the spectacles. To be fair, have been pretty good. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, everyone's nodded. <laughs> it's been some good rugby, and it's a credit because the crowds are, are there. It's a late kickoff, and it's enjoyable. Jason Ryan, the All Blacks forward coach, of course, uh, was asked directly about how his forward pack must respond and ask uh, about if he agreed that sort of been outplayed in their last two test matches up front. Yeah, I think that's a real honest appraisal, and I, I, I agree with it. We know that. This, this test match against Namibia is really important for us as a full pack and, and we need to build off this test match because effectively we're in a new tournament as such for where we need to be and, and what we need to 
get out of a four pack and the boys um, are disappointing um, with that but you've got to leave it and, and you've got to move forward and, and I'm really confident of where we sit and where we're, where we're trending and where we, where we need to go it's really clear for us and um, I guess when you look at that South Africa test and also the French test well we're exposed in two big areas um, but we'll be right we've, um, we've got a lot of confidence in the boys and I know that we're going to front up when we need to and that's from now on there's no other way we can look at that. Very honest appraisal of uh, an out-of-sorts all-black forward pack over the last uh, couple of games. Uh, key areas there, what two of them he identified. I'll probably give you three scrums, absolutely. They've been penalised a lot there. I just think the general work of the contact and breakdown uh, certainly can be smart enough. And let's be fair, this is also a criticism of the back line too. Just discipline uh, across the board. Discipline needs to be better. They're on the wrong side of a heavy whistle count in that second half against uh, France. Uh, they've got some um, you know, pretty big IP wandering around all all Blacks are headquarters at the moment. One Sir Steve Hansen has arrived in town. Yeah, he spent some time with the Wallabies uh, a short time ago, but now he is helping out the team that he coached to such great success. Uh, Jason Ryan's had a long association with them. Uh, spoke in beautiful terms. You're going to love this little click, clip on, on having Steve Hansen in camp and what he said yeah, to him specifically. Good, you going good, son. <laughs> but no, <laughs> he um, no. Oh, look, he's. Um, I guess on a personal level, he's been he's been unbelievable for me um, right through the um, my Super Rugby career and and into the All Blacks. And he's someone that I stay in contact with all the time. And to have him in here, and he's he's got a beautiful eye on him and um, drops a few good one-liners in, um, but it also helps the coaches and wants the All Blacks to be better first and foremost, so it's been good. Uh, I think he's here till Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, no, he's been good. He's I mean, he's, he's, well, he's, you know, he's arguably he's the greatest coach we've ever had, so you know, it's really special to have him in here, to be fair, really special. Jason Ryan uh, speaking there about a number of topics and throwing in a pretty darn uh, fine uh, impersonation of Steve Hansen. I'll give him 8 out of 10. Yeah, pretty good, son. I'll give that 4. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> we posted a photo of uh, Sir Steve Hansen at All Blacks training uh, and, of course, the comments went far and wide on the spectrum, but my favourite one has to be, I think we found the spy everyone is talking about. <laughs> Very good. Like, uh, keep your comments coming, and we love reading them over here in France. Uh, sort of helps us stay connected with New Zealand and find out how you are thinking. You can also play a part on this program. Double eight, double three, the temper and bed poster text machine. Uh, feel free uh, to uh, add in your two cents. Yeah, I, I think that was quite an honest sort of uh, review from uh, Jason Ryan. Let's see if his players are up to the task over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, Geordie Barrett, though, um, many people interested to see how he is progressing. He, of course, missed the opening test match uh, not there in the number 12 position due to uh, a nagging knee injury he spoke about how that uh, injury is progressing yeah it's coming along pretty good thanks um, obviously had a slow yeah 10 or 14 days but um, yeah it's on the improve so yeah just day by day that's just it's a funny one really it's come on sort of out of nowhere in the past couple of weeks just a, a joint injury and um yeah, a bit of inflammation, but um, I'm getting there and making progress each day. So I got back out on the park today, which is positive. Uh, I got through today um, really well, which is positive, and got through some running. Um, I didn't do any running last week at all. So uh, you had to spin on the watt bike, but uh, it's improving, which is positive.
You want to play every test and be available all the time. So, um, yeah, natural inclination, you want to be out there. But, um, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. It's a long tournament and um, our team's in, in, a, in a good spot this week. So, um, yeah, just happy to be back out training. He's, posit- he's positively positive, and I guess we've got to be positive about his positivity. Is that how we read it? He's a very astute reader of the game, is Geordie Barrett, in my humble opinion. Uh, and he had uh, the luxury, I guess, of not playing and, and being able to keep a, a close eye on some of the other games, and especially the France-New Zealand one. He, he spoke, and quite uh, fascinating, I thought, uh, this clip, uh, about what he has learned from the first, first few games of the tournament. You only need to look um, at what happened four years ago in South Africa World Champs. They lost the first game and um, got a few lessons in that game that put them in great stead for the rest of the tournament. And we're looking to do something similar. Um, it's it's hot here at the moment and we probably didn't at- adapt to those conditions as well as we could have uh, last weekend. And we've seen teams uh, in the last few days struggle to do that as well. Um, I think teams without the ball are going a long way to winning some of these test matches at the moment, kicking a lot, forcing a lot of mistakes. It's so hard to hold the ball. So as the tournament goes on, you just have to adapt against different oppositions and in these conditions, Northern Hemisphere teams and referees, and we've just got to keep getting better. But, you know, it's pretty clear at the moment, teams without it um, are doing probably a lot better. George Ford kicked 27 points with 14 men on the park. He was outstanding. And then... The Welsh made over 200 tackles and an attacking side like Fiji couldn't cross until the last quarter just because it's so crazy. And we found in our game, there was only 27 minutes of ball and play, which is um, pretty crazy, really. In an 80-minute match, we'd like that number to be a bit higher, bring some fatigue into the game and potentially reduce those water breaks just so, yeah, if we can use that to our advantage a little bit more. But we've just got to adapt. Um, yeah, it's different. It's a World Cup and uh, you're going to get tested and later on in the tournament there'll be different factors and whoever adapts best on the night when it becomes sudden death, yeah, will go a long way in the tournament. So, yeah, a lot more ball and play is needed. Speaking of comments, our social media uh, posts around that clip are washed with comments. Um, <laughs> fairly direct, some of them, about um, you know how about keeping the ball in hand? Well, if New Zealand's going to have to kick better, they're going to have to chase better for sure, but it's going to be a big feature of this tournament, putting pressure on opposition sides without the ball. That is Geordie Barrett, who, of course, played Namibia four years ago. as New Zealand, I think, got put a 70 spot on them uh, from memory, and he played first 5-8. You might remember uh, his... Uh, idea and understanding of what Namibia will bring this time out of the 2023 World Cup? I feel they play pretty similar to the South African team. Um, obviously, yeah, Namibian uh, side and a big confrontational. They're big forwards here around the corner and just try to get a lot of game line. And, but they've got a good 10 and 15 there. Um, yeah, they're the barometer for how well they go and they sit in the pocket similar to the way the French 10 and 15s do and swing uh, both sides of the ruck. So, Geordie Barrett speaking to the media. Prior to that, it was Jason Ryan. There's your glimpse inside the All Blacks camp. Some uh, interesting things to ponder. Double eight, double three, your reaction to anything you have heard. We do encourage you. This is Rugby World Cup today, coming to you live from Lyon. Confluence, to be exact, at the base of uh, where the two rivers that run through this gorgeous city uh, meet. We're in sort of the industrial modern complex, of course. Over towards my left, the magnificent Science Museum. Can't wait to 
get down there and actually learn something about science, unlike at high school, well, like behind me, um, long way away, but uh, the old quarter of this uh, glorious city. Plenty of uh, things to digest from a New Zealand perspective. On the other side, we're going to cross the Tasman and take our first good long look at uh, Australia and the Wallabies. They picked up a win against Georgia in their opening game. We'll uh, hear from Tom Decent, who's been all over the Wallabies, the Sydney Morning Herald rugby reporter. Stay with us. This is Rugby World Cup today. Daniel McCarty Logan Swinkles live from Lyon. Let's get the Australian perspective at Rugby World Cup 2023. Uh, I thought they were one of the more impressive sides, especially in the opening halves of uh, any game. The pace which Australia played with uh, was right up there. And of course, most importantly, they got a win. That has been much discussed, uh, I'm sure, by Tom Deason and others across the Australian rugby fraternity. Joins us out of the City Morning Herald. Thanks so much, Tom. Are you frying like we Kiwis are, or are you Australians actually dealing with the heat far better? Maybe we're dealing with a little bit better. It is very warm in Saint Etienne. Um, staying out of the sun as much as possible, but um, a nice reprieve from the cooler uh, Sydney spring at the moment. And how have the Wallabies been received in France? Great, awesome. Paris was a little bit of sort of um, a crazy few days. They were obviously based in Saint Etienne and went up on the Thursday before the game or Wednesday. Um, but back here, they went to a school today and were absolutely mobbed like rock stars. Um, they. Uh, I loved there very much. So I believe the school that they're at today sung the anthem. The, the school kids singing the anthems at these World Cups, as you would hear through the PA, and this was the school that sung their national anthem. So they got a personal rendition today. So that was pretty cool for them. Oh, that is awesome, isn't it? It's, uh, that is very, very cool. Just tell me about the general mood of Australian rugby and the Wallabies, maybe more importantly, prior to the tournament. You know, that the losses were mounting out. They couldn't ignore that. Um, you couldn't ignore asking them about it. So what was the overall feeling about what was possibly achievable? I think one word would sum it up, and that's just hope. Hope that Eddie Jones' record is arguably the greatest World Cup coach. Obviously, he hasn't won a World Cup, but his record, you could argue, mm. speaks for itself there. Five straight losses isn't great. Um, I don't think the Australian public loved hearing Eddie say that, you know, we basically were working towards the World Cup. People who paid the hard-earned money want to see wins straight away. They came very close a couple of times. There was the Argentina test in Sydney and obviously in Dunedin very close as well. But I think there was uh, hope and faith that the, the, the plan would come to fruition at the World Cup. They beat in Georgia, um, which is a start. It's certainly not beating Fiji or Wales. They basically beat Fiji this weekend and it almost assures them a quarterfinal spot. So that would be nice um, to bank away. But not winning in 288 days, Dave Rennie being sacked as coach when people could probably, albeit the wins weren't there, see some improvement on that tour up north last year. Um, there was, yeah, the, Eddie still needs to tick a few things off to to really get the Australian public on board. But if they can do that in the next two against Fiji and Wales, I think they will get there. And then they've got a dream draw, which I at least appreciate that they acknowledge rather than saying, oh, every game's you know, difficult and important. The Wallabies know that this is an absolute rails run to a semi-final if they want it. Mm. So much change. I, I was looking at a Wallabies lineup from just two years ago against the All Blacks to try and give me some sort of context. It's quite extraordinary when you look at the turnover of players, you factor in changes of, of coaches. So was, it, was there a sense of a, a upheaval? Is that, is that how you viewed it? Yeah, totally. 
there's been careers that have been ended through Eddie Jones. He's made massive calls to get rid of Quay Cooper and Michael Hooper and these guys. He just didn't think that, not necessarily those guys, he just needed to clean it out. Now, some Australian fans would argue, well, yeah, you can pick a, a young team at this World Cup and it might bear fruit in 2027, but we want to do as well at this World Cup. So yeah. there's a lot of faith in Eddie there. I think 17 of the 23 guys in that team for the Georgia game hadn't played at a World Cup. There's guys who've played a handful of tests. I think the All Blacks type five had more tests than Australia's 23 altogether. So that gives you some kind of context around just how inexperienced this Wallabies team is. But um, having been on the ground and followed them pretty closely this year, there is confidence within them. They're all young. They haven't lost too many tests, um, you know, over back-to-back-to-back years. So I think there's a little bit of exuberance and... um, backing themselves that will come to the fore in this World Cup. And that's what Eddie wants. And he's sort of playing to that advantage and trying to get that humming through the group. Well, you, you look at some of those individuals. Uh, Donaldson, uh, I, I thought was really good at fullback. Not good enough for the Waratahs, but good enough to play well at a World Cup. Go figure. Exactly. That's a tricky one at the Waratahs. They just couldn't – they had to squeeze him out through cap space there. Um, Eddie Jones is a really, really big fan of Ben Donaldson. I, he's one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet, but yeah. he would admit that his Super Rugby season wasn't amazing. He got picked in the initial squad a few months back before the TRC and acknowledged that maybe he'd been a bit lucky and everyone thought Quay Cooper was going to be here as the first or second choice number 10. And Ben Donaldson was listed as a utility, um, which was a bit of a weird thing on the press release. And as it turns out, Eddie's gone with him at 15 and... It was more or less a case of if Carter Gordon had kicked his goals against France two weeks ago, Ben Donaldson may not play that game. Andrew Kellaway probably keeps his spot there, but the kid comes in, bangs 25 points away, a couple of nice tries. He's put pressure on Eddie Jones to pick him again this week for Fiji. Whether he'll do that or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but a very good start, a pleasing start, and a pretty impressive backline at the moment. But it's only Georgia and no one's getting carried away, I don't think. Well, kicking off the tee and out of the hand has been a real feature of these opening games, uh, absolutely. Um, so Eddie might be onto something there. But your overall impressions of that performance against Georgia, uh, as I said at the top, I, I thought the first 20 minutes, 25s, the speed for which a, a Australia were able to play it was quite something. Yeah, definitely. They want to get their outside backs balls. Jordan Pattaya, who's been... Had so much potentially burst onto the scene at the 19 World Cup. Mm. Um, I don't mind him there in that 13 channel. Uh, obviously, he scored a try, set up a try, so that was fantastic. Gave them a bit of a points buffer. And for so long, I think Australian rugby fans just want to see wins. The uh, idea and side of seeing the Wallabies tick the scoreboard over with three first-half penalties doesn't happen as much. They always love to go for the corner and try and play mm. You know, the Australian way. <laughs> what is that? If that's winning, then um, I think fans want to see that. So that was pleasing that they did that. Scrum was really good. Um, second half got a little bit ugly, and I had guys coming off the bench who I don't think necessarily were the right fits for that position. They got away with it a little bit there. I think Georgia could have definitely mounted a bit of a comeback and didn't. So certainly not a perfect performance, but you can't underestimate how important just winning and by 20 points does for that group who've, been told, you know, this plan's going to work. It eventually, will come good. So, um, a few and you know, a few well-earned beers, but very early days in this tournament. Were you nervy of a Georgian comeback? It seemed like they really got their tails up. And I'm thinking of the break from the fullback, and then throws it to Tupo, and that they score almost a 14-point try, if you will. That you know, if that goes to the other end, you've got a heck of a game on your hand, haven't you? 
Yeah, definitely. A huge moment in that game. Um, Taniela Tupo was desperately trying to get back in the defensive line because because it was so hot and he'd played all, but, you know, we had played the whole match. I think he was a bit cooked. So just fortuitous timing to end up there. Gives a great ball to Ben Donaldson. And that's credit to Taniela Tupo as well. He's a, um, he's a pretty classy player outside of just the general forward requirements, you know, scrums at peace, all that stuff. He can throw a ball and he's got pretty good steps. So I think he... You make your own luck in those situations. But, yeah, Georgia just didn't fire. I mean, yeah, uh, they definitely could have mounted a comeback there and didn't. And I think the Wallabies will know that they got out of jail a little bit there. And their bench needs a bit of work. The, the line out, there was three in a row at the end there that they missed. So, again, that's been a bit of an yeah. ongoing problem. But I think they can rectify that against a very different Fijian side that they'll face this week to what Georgia were. We are chatting to Tom Decent, Sydney Morning Herald rugby reporter who is in San Etienne covering the Wallabies. We're in Lyon, home of the All Blacks and their training base at Rugby World Cup. You are listening to Rugby World Cup today. More from Tom shortly, but we are now 29 minutes away from 7 o'clock. It is time to head off to Karen with the very latest in news. Stay with us. Plenty more to come. Thank you very much, uh, Karen, with the very latest in uh, news and sports. Uh, great news if you're a Warriors fan. Just come through the wires, handed to me. Uh, they have announced their team for this weekend's game against the Knights. How exciting. What an atmosphere that's going to be. We've been lucky enough to see pretty amazing atmosphere at Stade de France. It's going to be off the hook uh, for week two of the finals. And the big news is Sean Johnson will start in the halves alongside Tamati Martin while Dylan Walker will drop to the bench. I'll give you the full side, shall I? That would just put everyone at ease. Uh, Nickel Clockstad at the back. Martini Zalesniak, Berry Pompey, uh, Montoya, Martin Johnson, Fanua Blake, Egan, Barnett, uh, Ford, Corey and Harris, the skipper. On the reserves bench, as it currently looks, Walker, Tavanga, Sirudin, Curran, Usyk, uh, Tuapuki, Afoa, Ali and Kossi. There you go. The very latest as far as the Warriors are concerned. It is 26 minutes away from 7 o'clock here on SENZ. One more time, I How are you feeling about uh, that game now after the wildly entertaining game between Wales and Fiji? I'm I'm still struggling to comprehend what happened there. On another night, Fiji could have put 50, 60 points on Wales, such as how dangerous they looked. But, you know, they'd lost lost a lot of possession, dropped the ball over the line a couple of times, probably on the wrong side of um, some interesting refereeing, I I thought personally. How are you feeling about the challenges uh, Fiji will pose? Yeah, they'll definitely be a, a very different team, throw the ball around, um, a number of guys that Australia know pretty well through having played them um, in the draw, set up in Super Rugby. I think Eddie Jones may make some changes to that Wallabies team. I think you'll definitely see the scrum as a way that they can dominate Fiji. I don't yes. think that was particularly crash hot last night. Yeah, And we know that for Fiji to have sustained success, yeah, they could throw the ball around and play there. Um, brilliant to watch style, but if their set piece isn't firing, other teams will put them to the sword. And Australia Scrum is going well at the moment. That'll be an area they try and exploit. Um, I don't know how I feel. Uh, you never, never know with this Wallaby side. They could capitulate badly. They could win by 30. There are guys in that back line who are, I mean, half the Wallabies back line's Fijian. So they've also got that flair about them. And uh, it's a big game for them as well. They want to do their country proud and, uh, it'll be it'll be a great game. I haven't looked at the weather yet. It looks reasonably hot. Not that that will matter too much for both teams. Like playing in the heat and the draw over in Suva normally. So um, 
a big game, but huge, huge uh, opportunity for the Wallabies to basically bank a quarterfinal. That just settles the camp a bit, I think, um, heading into the last two, three weeks. They can really nut out what they need to and attack a quarterfinal. How, what do you think a win for Australia does for the, the, the mindset of the squad? I think it may have even been you asked Eddie that during the press conference. And th- did he give the old, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about there? Surely like, he, he knew what you were talking about. Like five losses in a row. Uh, a win's got to be huge, right? I think Eddie sometimes doesn't want to answer the question um, that he doesn't want to answer. So I thought that was a fair <laughs> question. But oh, more maybe, than it's, fair. Yeah. maybe it spoke a little bit deeper in the fact that maybe he thought I was indicating that they weren't confident and that they'd been flat on confidence and that win would do something for yes. them. But I genuinely think that behind the scenes, they are pretty young and confident and not um, affected by previous results. So maybe that was what he was getting at. But there's definitely, you could sense it in the players that they knew how important that Georgia game was. Like the fact that people back home were even talking about Georgia possibly beating Australia. Like when has that ever happened in history? So it shouldn't have got to that point. Yeah. But that's kind of a reflection of where the Wallabies were at, getting closer and closer. So uh, again, it's a it's a building thing. They keep banging on about just wanting to improve week by week. They look at that draw. They've got a two-week break heading into a quarterfinal. It's... They're not going to get a better crack at this World Cup. Um, not saying they're going to win it, but there'll be other teams looking at what the Wallabies have got in front of them and thinking, okay, um, you guys are blessed with that. Make the most of it. It's interesting listening to the All Blacks forwards coach, Jason Ryan, this week talk about um, the injury list that they have. And he he spoke about that. And he, he felt the All Blacks need a full deck if they're going to win this thing. Um, it, sort of in some way questioning his own squad's depth um, is one way you could interpret it. It's pretty similar with this Australia, isn't it? That They need luck, slices of luck with good health. It, they can't go 24, 25, 26 deep, can they? That's probably a fair assessment on my behalf. Very fair call. Very fair call. A few players spring to mind. They have, they're missing Alan Alatoa, yeah, a very tight head prop. If Tanella Tupi goes down, which he was sort of a bit dicey in the lead up to this World Cup, that's... That's a huge, huge blow. Um, Angus Bell on the other side as well is playing well. James Slipper's back on the bench. So they're sort of a few really key guys. I think Simon Karevi's nowhere near his best at the moment, but he doesn't have to be, and that's okay. Um, but when he is, and if he's firing with Carter Gordon, Samu Karevi, absolutely invaluable there. Uh, and then Mark, uh, sorry, Marika Korombetti, again. Uh, like they're actually pretty blessed with outside backs, but it is yeah. sort of those bench players, as you say really settled on their bench or their reserve props are all pretty young and in ex- very young and experienced. You know, half those guys don't have 10 caps, which that's just a byproduct of Eddie ripping the floor up and a few injuries, but a very, very fair call that the Wallabies, I mean, even in the halfback position this week will be interesting. Tate McDermott is oh. out of his Fiji game. So he's Eddie's tried to build this team around Tate around the last sort of three, four tests. So he's out of the picture. Nick White, Probably going to start, but again, one of those two halfbacks in camp go down. Uh, that'll be a problem this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple more before I let you go. Your own, your own observations of the first few games of the tournament. A good spectacle. The crowds are fabulous, aren't they? They they add so much energy to this. But the on field product. How have you rated it? Great, awesome. Yeah, we've been very busy. Um, yeah, went to France, New Zealand, which was a great spectacle. Been to a few games there, but that took the cake as a a spectacle, I think, uh, as much as we love our Kiwi friends, I think that's good for the tournament. 
I've actually tipped New Zealand to win the whole thing. I think they'll reverse that result in the final. So I've got no doubt that New Zealand will go away and build and come into a massive quarterfinal, far better for that experience. But yeah, elsewhere, there's just fans everywhere. There's been so much build up to this World Cup. You see firsthand how much France love their rugby. Uh, it's been brilliant. Getting to a few games and even in Saint Etienne, which is not a massive place down here, there's supporters from all countries. Like there was a few Scots going mental yesterday. I don't know why there's Scots in Saint Etienne, <laughs> but um, they seem to be popping up everywhere. The pubs are overflowing and everyone's having a good time. It's just the best. Um, it could be one of the, a World Cup for the ages. I really, really think that. All right. So you've got you've got New Zealand winning the whole thing. Against whom in the final? Sorry, Mark. Uh, France. Yeah, so France. You... Yeah, Ooh. I think they'll just reverse that, come back and into it. I mean, it's hard for New Zealand at the moment trying to um, come back from that. I feel like whatever they do in the next three matches isn't going to mean a lot. It's not going to change people's perception in New Zealand around them because they're expected to win those games. But look at England. Like England were a basket case coming in. Everyone was talking about them maybe missing the, out on a quarterfinal and they pump Argentina and look how quickly that narrative can change. So uh, I've, I think, I think good coaches and good teams appreciate that world cups aren't won in the first game. And that once you hit that quarterfinal week, that's really the only game that matters at that point in time. Tom, lovely to hear your voice. Lovely to see you in this instance. Thanks so much. Always appreciate your time and, and really enjoy your insights to the game and go well. And hopefully, um, you know, uh, we can catch up with you real soon. Yeah. Too easy. Cheers. That was Tom Deason from the Sydney Morning Herald, their fine rugby reporter, giving us a, a deep dive into the realm of the Wallabies on the back of their first win in a long, long time, a win to open the Rugby World Cup against Georgia. 35 points to 15. Australia now take on Fiji in a massive game Monday morning New Zealand time. Let's check in on our World Cup schedule, our Rugby World Cup 2023 schedule with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Of course, New Zealand and Namibia will be the next commentary game we have for you. The next game is Friday morning uh, New Zealand time as uh, France take on Uruguay. Uruguay's first uh, crack at this tournament. But uh, Saturday morning New Zealand time, our coverage starts at 6am. It's New Zealand up against Namibia. Stade de Toulouse in Toulouse. New Zealand up against Namibia, as was the case four years ago. Kickoff is bang on 7am. Uh, elsewhere over the weekend games, you probably want to uh, pay attention to Islander playing Tonga. Welcome to the party, Tonga. Can't wait to, to see them uh, get into action. While Monday morning here on SENZ, we've got uh, full coverage of two very important games. The huge one, Australia up against Fiji. This is going to be huge. St. Etienne, Sam Hewitt's going to be alongside Steve Devine calling uh, that one. Uh, while we will also have England up against Japan. So Australia, Fiji kicks off at 3.45. New Zealand time, our coverage will start about 15 minutes prior to that. Uh, that game in San Etienne. And then we'll be uh, focusing in on Nice. Scotty Stevenson will lead the coverage of that one. It is England looking to go back to back to open this World Cup. They take on the brave blossoms of Japan, England. Very impressive. Control, disciplined, strong defensive display. And remember, they were down to 14. As far as Tom Curry, he will face the judiciary tonight, my understanding, from Reading World Rugby's press release. <laughs> Correct. 
assume it's uh, Tuesday evening French time. Uh, so uh, he's got a case to answer after that red card. So those are the games. Uh, New Zealand, Namibia, Australia, Fiji, England and Japan that you will hear across our airwaves, across our stations. And if you haven't already, highly recommend you get the SNZ app. That was our World Cup schedule for today with Kubota together we are shaping and building New Zealand 16 minutes away from 7 o'clock we will be back up after this it's 11 minutes away from 7 o'clock it is 11 minutes away from 9am in Lyon this is Rugby World Cup today coming to you from this glorious city of Lyon where the All Blacks are basing themselves the All Blacks Back in action Saturday morning, New Zealand time, 7 a.m. kickoff against Namibia. Rugby World Cup today, time for our breakout performance as we continue to reflect on the opening group of games. This is brought to you proudly by Breakout River Meets, 100% Australia Meet, and proudly supporting Rugby Union. And because it's been a bit of a deep dive into the world of the Wallabies today, uh, play the clip, Mr. Lewis. Nanishvili had players all around him and now he's given it straight back to the Wallabies. Here's Taniana Tupo, gets a pass away. And here goes Ben Donaldson, the Wallabies number 15. Yes, Ben Donaldson is our breakout performance. Uh, one of two tries that he did score. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, one of my tips for a breakout star passed Australia the ball on uh, that instance. Otherwise, uh, my George awesome Georgian fullback looked pretty decent. Yeah, I- I'm trying to cover up my tracks there. But uh, Ben Donaldson had quite a game. He was a surprising selection at fullback, listed as a utility. Uh, he uh, put on quite a show, especially with the boots, uh, racking up the points and playing a really big part in that Wallabies victory. So uh, Ben Donaldson, our breakout performance for today. Breakout River Meets, proud supporter of local independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. Uh, Brad Lewis back in uh, Auckland. Help me out with the text machine, Manic. I keep getting chucked out. I know there was a question or two. Yeah, French Wi-Fi. Good stuff. Uh, this is from Chris. Thank you, Chris, so much for listening, my friends. Uh, hi, Daniel. Uh, you would have been at the press conference after the game on the weekend. What was the reason Tupu Vahi played at six instead of Jacobson, or why not at lock with Scott Barrett shifting to six? That's from Chris. Just wants to get that clarified. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Chris, I'll be honest, I didn't make the All Blacks press conference. I had other things to do straight after the game. But here's this. Uh, Jason Ryan actually spoke about this uh, exact point uh, uh, in the most recent All Blacks press conference. And, and he simply said, due to the fact that Sam Kane was such a late scratch and coming what, almost on the day of the game, that they didn't want to mess with the tight five. That he wanted the tight five who had prepared all week to stay together. Um, a rather interesting choice of words when he said Tupuvai had been swinging too inside the All Blacks uh, between six and lock in preparation anyway. So they felt he was uh, equipped to deal with that. So hopefully that has answered your question. Can't be a deep dive into the Wallabies without hearing Eddie Jones, right, Brad? His reflections on that opening win against Georgia. Well, round one, you want to be sitting with five points. So I think we got five points. Then parts of the play, it's the first time I've been involved in a game against Georgia or a training session against Georgia where their scrum hasn't dominated or look like dominating. So as a real credit to Neil Hatley and, and the front row and Taniella in his 50th cap and Belly and Parecki and, and obviously the rest of the pack for their, for their scrum efficiency and, and the way they scrummed. And then I thought, you know, secondly, our, our attacking kicking was really good. 
We put Mark in a number of situations where, you know, he, he really caused the opposition a lot of trouble. Um, so they're two really uh, key and promising areas for us. And I think it's, you know, it's a real credit to Will and the way he's leading the team, the way he's, he's got the boys together off the field. And there's a real feeling that, you know, this team could do something and, and you know, they're all working for each other. So that might be one reason. Maybe Luke Pearce liked us. Where was that, where's that Pommy bloke from, uh, where was he from? Daily Telegraph, one of my favourite newspapers. Where's he? He's not here today. I bet if we lost he'd be here. Might have to send him an invitation. Know his name? Charles. Charles, are you out there, mate? No? Okay. We'll worry about Fiji next week. I think at the moment all we want to do is enjoy the win. Yeah, the players have worked really hard. I'm going to go out tomorrow to Bordeaux um, and have a look at them, maybe have a nice red wine as well. Uh, might deserve one tomorrow, Will, hey? Yeah. Uh, Will might have a nice beer and, and then, we'll, then we'll get on to Fiji on, on, on Tuesday, mate. Like, if you don't know anything about rugby, don't talk to me. The one, the own Eddie Jones. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. I just can't understand that, though. He's just great for the game, isn't he? He's just great for the game. He's so colourful. We gave you a two-minute clip of a press conference. There were so many grabs we could have played. He is uh, is great. And, well, his side have got a huge game this coming weekend against Fiji. It's do or die for the flying Fijians as well. That is another edition of Rugby World Cup today done and dusted. As far as uh, us here in Lyon, we'll head off to the All Blacks. A bit of a late press conference uh, today, and we'll continue to bring the very latest news. All going well. All going well, provided the trains arrive. Justin Marshall will be our feature guest tomorrow here on Rugby World Cup today. Until then, ta-da, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Au revoir.